We did it. 2022 is in the books. That means it's time to celebrate the best pop culture of the previous year here on the Think Christian Podcast, starting with music. I'm Josh Larson, your host and editor over at thinkchristian.net. There's no such thing as secular in our movies, our television, and yes, in our favorite pop, rap, and indie rock music. We're going to touch on each of those genres in this episode, thanks to guests Claude Acho, Eric Danielson, and Sarah Welch Larson. They'll each be bringing picks for their favorite music of 2022. So we're talking Saba, Wild Pink, and Carly Rae Jepsen, plus a few listener suggestions and, of course, John J. Thompson's Spotify playlist. Lots of good music coming up. Now, for longtime listeners, you'll notice that we're switching things up a bit this year. Rather than a mega episode that is covering music, TV, and movies, we're breaking those up into different shows, making it a little more digestible. All of those will be out in January, so it will be a full month of celebration here on the TC Podcast. Now, speaking of celebration, if you enjoy the show, maybe you could give us a rating on Spotify. We know we have a following on the platform, and so if that's how you listen to us, please do click those stars. It's only an option on the mobile app, so be sure you're using that app if you want to go ahead and give us a Spotify rating. Those stars, they do help us reach more folks. Thanks so much. Let's get into the show and bring on our panel to talk about the best music of 2022. We need a bunch of chairs in the non-existent TC recording studio because it's time to bring in three friends, Claude Acho, Eric Danielson, and Sarah Welch Larson. We're going to talk some music. I think, I don't know, I'm looking at you guys. I'm probably the only one recording in a closet. Claude, are you, is that your home office there or... Yeah, this is my my home office that has just one one floor lamp and a bunch of boxes that no one can see. So it's it's pretty chaotic. Um, <laughs> so hopefully this works out. It looks it looks good from here. And Eric, you're not in your usual spot. You're not at home, are you? No, I am in the uh, palatial offices of the Columbia Daily Tribune in Columbia, Missouri, and I'm the only one here on this December day. So I just snuck into a conference room, and here I am. <laughs> Smart. And then is that Sarah? Are you in the uh, scene and believing? Official recording studio? Sort of. We're in the basement, which is also my official workspace because my husband has the office. He works from home 24-7 and I have to work from an office sometimes. So the basement is where I am when I'm at home and working. Got it. Yeah, we're usually with you recording uh, in the later, in the evening or something like that. So that makes sense. I have a podcasting closet, but that's in the office. You do? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's that didn't. That's what I was used to seeing. I think the <laughs> yeah. podcasting closet. Yep, which I am squished into myself right now. Well, thank you, everyone, for uh, setting aside the time to come on the show. This is always an especially fun one when a bunch of us get together. And let's get to our favorite music of 2022. I want to start with you, Claude, because you and I were talking recently, and you had said that for hip hop specifically, you feel like it had been a very significant. 12 months. So I'm wondering if you can expand on that a little bit for us here and then maybe also share your pick for one of your favorite albums of 2022. 
be glad to. Yeah, I think, you know, I have an interesting relationship with hip hop just personally, just as something that has been formative and kind of raised me and grown with. But I also struggle given a lot of the gun violence in uh, in our country and then specifically within the hip hop community. And so I'm, I'm constantly sort of torn with questions of, you know, complicity in, in terms of listening and some of these different sort of things. However, this year I thought uh, was a really great year for hip hop because there was a, there always is, but I think a, a more mainstream movement of artists that are, I think, doing doing really interesting things with a larger platform that they've achieved through their artistry. So, uh, for example, I'm thinking about uh, Lupe Fiasco's album, Drill Music in Zion, which was really um, interesting and provocative and also dealing with some of these themes uh, about violence and despair and how it's affecting um, us communally and, and nationally. And then other albums like like Kendrick's album, you know, thinking about how do we heal, right? Even if, you know, maybe some of his ideas around that maybe fall short, here's someone who's taking their vocation and their artistry really seriously in terms of enriching and bettering the lives of those uh, that listen to them that look to them, really. And so that was really encouraging. Uh, and then especially the album that is kind of uh, top of my list for this year is a Chicago rapper by the name of Saba and his album, A Few Good Things. And it's an album that is just artistically is wonderful. But I also really admire uh, his sort of creativity and also is just sort of insight to think about things related to money and survival and sort of how do we how do we enjoy life when so much of our life has been about just getting by. And so uh, the album is really uh, fascinating. And in particular, his a song called uh, an interlude called Circus, which leads into a song called Fearmonger. And there's a line on uh, an interlude called Circus. It's it's one of those great songs that's like a minute and 30 seconds long. So you just listen to it on repeat because you wish it was like a six minute one. <laughs> but he has this line where he says, uh, all the small things about being broke, I never really enjoyed them. And it's just this sort of longing for a return to simplicity, a return to a few good things, and this sort of recognition that the big things that we chase, specifically money, leaves us empty. So that sort of deep insight matched with just incredible artistry, it, it just made for a really, really wonderful album. And I think that's seen in a lot of places in hip hop in 2022. Yeah, and you've hit on a couple of those artists already for TC. You wrote about uh, Kendrick's album and Lupe Fiasco's album on the TC website, thinkchristian.net. So those are out there for folks. And as for Saba with Few Good Things, new to me and was able to give it a listen, have been listening a couple of times since you said this was going to be your pick. And yeah, you you have a sense, I think on Fearmonger, uh, especially that there's serious subject matter here. As you said, financial anxiety but the song has a playfulness as well, especially in his vocals. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he sort of adopts a variety of, of vocal guises, you could say, that, and I love hearing how he slides from one into the other. It's it's somewhat like playing a bunch of roles in one song, and there's such dexterity in, in moving back and forth. So yeah, as I, as I said, uh, new to me, and even though Sarah Saba, Chicago artist where we both live. Mm -hmm. Was uh, this a new artist to you too? Were you familiar with him before? What'd you, what'd you make of Few Good Things? I think I'd heard him on Chance the Rapper's Acid Rap, but other than that, wasn't too familiar with the rest of his work. Yeah. Love this record, the whole record in particular, but the song Fearmonger, I think, Josh, you mentioned the playfulness of um, his vocals, but I think there's also this sense of being able to slide up and down kind of the economic scale as well. And I think that that matches really well with the form of the song, too. There's that slide from persona to persona, but also the knowledge that you could slide from 
poverty to being well off and then right back down again just as easily. There's that idea of I'm afraid and I'm hungry and there's the potential of being hungry for more and more things or the potential of having to slide back down and be hungry for things that you used to have. And I really love just the the dexterity there and the multiplicity of meaning that's going on in the lyrics. It's just such a like lyrically sophisticated song and I love it. Scam money never made money what I was taught. But once you made money, you'll be more afraid than the saw. My grandfather drove a Corvette convertible car. He passed away and left his wheel to the fate of the stars. I made it cool off a sand bar. I was scared to spend a down like what if I die tomorrow? Will my fam intervene for a bag of the G? Yeah, and that reminds me too, we just, I was telling you guys, we had as part of Reframe Ministries, larger team meetings the last couple of days. And we were looking back at the year past and looking ahead to the year and thinking about how our various programs at Reframe Ministries could speak to people's felt needs and economic anxiety and insecurity came up to be the top in some of our research and just, you know, with inflation and recession fears and just day-to-day realities of um, paying the bills and for in some cases getting food on the table. And so it was interesting within that context to listen to Fearmonger in particular and talk about and hear it talk about those things you're mentioning, Sarah, especially, you know, not feeling safe. Even if you are in a pay, place of security, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily always, always feel safe. How about you, uh, Eric, with with Saba? Is this someone that you were aware of? I imagine probably you're you're probably our music expert here on the panel. I was just going to say, it feels like the non-Chicagoans were the ones who were in on Saba um, from the get-go. <laughs> I know, I've, I've, I've listened to his stuff for a few years, so when this record came out, um, I was ready for it and have been listening to it. I don't remember what month it came out this year, but I've been listening to it since. And yeah, I just, I, I mean, I echo so much of what Claude said. I just love his creativity. And there's just, I don't know, there's some, there's room, I think, in music and especially in hip-hop for more like claustrophobic kind of tight sound, but I feel like there's such like a breathable sound to what Saba does. There's just like all this really cool space in the music and then the way that his delivery and and the different vocal effects he takes on fits into that. But yeah, this song is great. I mean, I think everything y'all said is really resonant and I, and I appreciate too, there's a couple of lines in the song where he talks about kind of like what would happen if, if, if kind of his creative luster dimmed like if he couldn't he there's a line about like what if i log out of an app what if i lack a retweet what if i can't you know get people to come to my shows and of course that's all still tied to that greater um economic anxiety but i think even just as a creative person some of that ring true for me of like you know we're always like trying to just do the work and let it be the work but also there's kind of this pressure to like keep an audience happy and i think just that sense of like i want to keep my audience happy in part because i that feels good, but also because I would like to continue to eat. Um, I don't know. I just thought that that was uh, a really thoughtful way of of, of discussing that. Mm-hmm. Vulnerability, I think, there and throughout the album. Is that a characteristic um, that strikes you, Claude, for Saba's music? A certain vulnerability? In some ways, like, I felt an echo of, you know, early, early Kanye West, where there's, there's a, a sense of humility as well, maybe, at some point, or vulnerability. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, I, I yeah, I think that's part of what attracts me to Saba, um, especially is just this sort of it. it there's an it's a, there's an honesty, right? It feels mm-hmm. honest. This is really him. I think one of the podcasts I really enjoy listening to, kind of hip hop podcast called. 
cooperative speakers, they talk about that rap is like wrestling. Like there's these artists that put on these per personas. And it's true of any genre. They put on these persona personas and they and they really perform them and they play these scripts. And I think it's it's so refreshing, refreshing and encouraging when it's really clear that an artist is is kind of not doing that, right? This is this is truly this is these these are real things that they're that they're that they've dealt with and they're considering. And I think that's what you get with Saba. I think the line on Fearmonger just the honesty to say, you know, once you make money, you'll be more afraid than us all, right? And just this sort of realization to say that in the second person, but there's all these other lines as uh, Sarah and Eric have mentioned that help us know when he says that you, he means himself and us, right? <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a part of this. And at the same time, we he, he speaks truly to the fear that comes from not having money. So I think that sort of honesty, that sort of transparency, and that sort of introspection and kind of cultural awareness, right? To think through these things. And, and especially this ability to recognize that there are small things that are good and they're simple. And it's easy to overlook them, right? It, it reminds me of, uh, Drake had a lyric uh, several years ago where he said, I wish I could be where I was back when I used to wish that I was here, hmm. which is his way of saying what Saba says, right? Like all the small things about being broke, I never really enjoyed them. And where an artist like Drake, I think does that persona of sort of, you know, womanizer, braggadocious, all that sort of stuff. Saba picks up on that same vulnerability and that same sort of insight to the human condition. And he, he totally runs with it, right? From, from, a, from a true and personal place. Uh, so I think he's a real uh, inspiration in that sense. So that's Saba with Few Good Things. Let's jump back to you, Eric, and tell us about the indie rock band Wild Pink. Wild Pink. I am glad to mention them here. I also feel like I owe them a, a bit of an apology for my my day job here at the newspaper. I, I make a year-end albums list, and this will be the second year in a row that Wild Pink has landed at the number two spot. So I really, really love them. I'm sorry, guys, that you haven't cracked number one, but someday, someday, a, a sign of uh, you know disappointment or anything. It's a bandit from New York, led by a songwriter named John Ross. And you know, folks that might not be familiar with them might be familiar with a you know a band that I think is maybe a good reference point, like the War on Drugs. These guys kind of do similar things in terms of you know taking kind of a moment and exploding it. And what I would say is kind of mixing that you know great road trip music of a of an artist like Petty or Springsteen with a little bit more atmospherics. You know, almost bringing like all the scenes from outside the road trip into the car with you. Um, all the weather and all of that. So I, I really appreciate these guys. They're, again, second record in a couple of years came out this year. I-L-Y-S-M, if I got the acronym right, stands for I Love You So Much. And just a really terrific record. I mean, John Ross, the singer, uh, wrote a fair amount of this after being diagnosed with cancer. He's a pretty young guy. I think he's in his early 30s. And so this record, to me, really just takes on, you know, it still has that same appeal as, as earlier stuff, like A Billion Little Lights, which was their record that came out in 2021. But it does feel a little bit more introspective. It does feel like it kind of turns inward a bit more as he really is kind of sifting his life and saying, okay, if this is all I get, you know, was it a good life? You know, what was there enough here to really be satisfied with? And so there's a lot of going back through past memories and, and nostalgia and, you know, kind of excavating relationships and kind of just trying to think through, you know, what, what's my life been and can I be satisfied with it? And I think, you know, kind of where he ends up and, and maybe we'll talk about this, you know, the, the, the final song is another acronym, uh, I-C-L-Y-M, I Couldn't Love You More. And it feels like he ends up on gratitude and he ends up kind of on the answer of, yeah, you know, if this is it, it was a good life. And, and thankfully, as, as as best I know, he's doing really well. They're touring behind the record. Um, he seems to be in good health. But there's just kind of this beautiful looking through your life, letting 
not quite letting it flash before your eyes, but letting it flash before your eyes, you know, over the span of like an hour, you know, of music Mm -hmm. and really just trying to find what there is there to appreciate. You describe it beautifully. And and my experience of sitting down and listening to it, not even knowing all of that background information, you can sense the introspection, but also the word you used, Eric, the gratitude is where it lands. And then the and then the sharing of that gratitude, I think, in in those two songs, especially I L Y S M, the the title track and I C L Y M, they're they're ghostly and spectral. And I think I think most of the album, there there are some more petty riffs, as you mentioned here and there, but most of the album feels that way to me. It has that sort of spectral sensibility. What what did you make of this one, Claude? I mean, I, I really enjoyed these two songs and it, it made me want to make space to go and take in the whole album. You know, so I was actually listening to the the title track and my daughter actually walked in the room uh, while, was, while those kind of, like, I love you so much, you know? So I was like, oh, this is, this is great, you know? Like, and, and I think the, uh, you know, and Eric, you had mentioned like the production in terms of sort of its spaciousness, right? And it made me also think of like, you know, what it would be like to see this in a, in a stadium, right? Like live and in person. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that space, yeah, just, and, and even the way the sort of, some of the lyrics are kind of chanted and, and, and come out more slowly just gives you room to kind of take in each word and kind of embody some of those emotions. So I, I found myself really enjoying those two tracks and really thinking they would push me into reflection if I let them. So I felt myself saying, hey, do I do I want to go there right now? You know, do I have the Kleenex? <laughs> do, I, do I have the supply of Kleenex to do this at this time? But but I think in a way, it, it makes me think also of what I, what I appreciate about the Saba album is um, the sort of Ecclesiastes wisdom of sort of enjoying the small and good graces of life, right? Whether it is a person, whether it's an experience, it's a memory, it, taking those to heart in, in the theme of gratitude that, that you all mentioned. So I found myself uh, you know, surprised by uh, how much I enjoyed these two tracks. You mentioning your daughter walking in, Eric, that strikes me, and she's probably, I, I think, well beyond this age, but there is a lullaby quality, I think, to the song a little bit as well, or, or at least it's something... I could imagine, you know, it'd be nice to have that song put you to sleep. But yeah, as an adult, put yeah, me I to could, sleep. I could do that. She's still lullaby age. Yeah, yeah. She's still <laughs> there. You she's, go. Okay, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, this, this can be done. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you make of it, Sarah? Yeah, it's funny because I think there's this common thread amongst all of our picks of all of these albums are very conscious of time and what it does to a person. And then the act of looking back and and going through memories and taking stock of, I was there then and I'm here now, and maybe I would like to return to that state that I was in originally. Josh, you mentioned kind of the expansive expansiveness of the sound. And uh, I, I appreciate that expansiveness and kind of the echoey nature of the piano, but there's also a real intimacy here that's going on as well. Like this, this emotional intimacy of, taking stock. And I Love You So Much in particular feels very much like it's a love song as a ghost story. And I can't really tell if the ghost story is is coming to terms with the person that the singer originally was, or if it's talking about somebody else. And I think it really works either way. And in all of these songs, but especially ILI, 
I-L-Y-S-M, and um, I, I couldn't love you more. I'm not going to attempt the acronym because I, I can't get the words in the correct order. <laughs> um, it's a lot of letters. It definitely is. I think that there's this falling back on, it's a love song as a ghost story, but the glue that holds the story together is love and an expansive form of love. And I don't know, just it, it feels like there is a lot of room for introspection and for grace, both for somebody else, if the speaker is speaking to somebody else, but also for themselves as well. And that's something that I really appreciate about the songwriting here. Man, the way you describe it, Sarah, this would be perfect music to go with the David Lowry film, A Ghost Story. Yes. I feel like it would, you know, there's that that movie I love, so it doesn't really need to be tinkered with, but I can easily see mapping some of the songs here onto that onto that movie. All right, Sarah, uh, here's what I know or what I knew about your pick, at least till I started listening to it after <laughs> you suggested you want to talk about it, which is Carly Rae Jepsen's The Loneliest Time. Yes. She released this the same day as little album called Midnights from someone called Taylor Swift. And I remember that day there was a movement on social media that people claiming, you know, The Loneliest Time deserves just as much attention. It's that good, people. Don't let this one slip by. I'm assuming you would agree. Yeah, I was one of those people, I think. I'm pretty sure that that day, the very first thing I tweeted out was just Carly Rae Jepsen's name. And nothing against Taylor Swift's Midnights. I do think it's a pretty (laughs) solid album, but there's something about the emotional sophistication of Carly Rae Jepsen's music that's had me hooked for quite some time. For those who may not be familiar with her work beyond Call Me Maybe, which I maintain is a very good song, she's been churning out party anthems and just very exuberant, joyful music for the better part of a decade at this point. And The Loneliest Time really is no exception to that. The whole album um, does take its time with some of the quieter, more introspective side of things, which is feels kind of like a, a bit of a new move for her. But the song that I keep coming back to as I'm listening to The Loneliest Time is uh, the song Bad Thing Twice, which takes on that introspective nature, but continues to work with some of the the bass lines and the riffs and and just the up-tempo hooks that I think she's probably best known for. And this song kind of melds this idea of there's something that I want to do and I know that it's bad for me and I still want to do it and I'm trying to resist that urge all at the same time in a way that feels really smart and interesting and also just is infinitely danceable. I just, every time I listen to this record, I catch myself bobbing my head to it. My husband was laughing at me last night because I was re-listening to it and he could tell that I was listening to Carly Rae Jepsen just because of the way that I was moving. I love that. Uh, yeah, Bad Thing Twice, I, I would describe it as it's considering being confessional. It's, mm-hmm. it's thinking about making that move, um, but maybe doesn't doesn't entirely get there. And that's part of the fun of the song. Uh, the other one that I listened to was Beach House, yes. which struck me going back a little bit to, to Taylor Swift, kind of a Taylor Swift slash Madonna mashup. Uh, it really brought me back to some of those early Madonna songs. So this was a fun album right now, kind of in, you know, pretty much the depths of winter. 
to sometimes you want music that immerses you in that and meets you in that space. And sometimes you want music that, you know, reminds you that there once was summer and there was, there was some music like this. Especially if you're in Chicago. Oh yes. Especially (laughs) if you're in Chicago. Yeah. So I think, I think this album is good on that front too. Yeah. What else, what else did you think of it, Claude? I think Sarah uh, described it perfectly uh, as she as she does typically with with these sort of things. I love the way you you read things and um, the insights you you draw out. And yeah, that that struck me too. The sort of juxtaposition between the introspection of the lyrics and the sort of yeah the the beat and the production that you know makes you want to move. And it feels sort of like kind of like a dancing your way into repentance a little bit. Like yeah. it's kind of like, you know, you're going to kind of groove and be like, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I do a bad things a lot. I did the bad thing twice, you know, um, this is my destiny, right? This could fit dancing with Roman seven, right? This could definitely yes. go in that direction. Uh, even though Josh, even though Josh thinks it doesn't go far enough uh, into confession, you know, so those two things together, I think are really interesting, you know, and I just, yeah, I, I admire artists that are, are honest in that way, but also again, like this is just a really well written song. You know, I, I don't know, you know, who her and her team that write her stuff. You know, but like it, this is this is just well made, well crafted, and I can I can kind of get with that. I I wonder, uh, I, I do wonder, like, how do people listen to her music? Because is that is that something that kind of what what mood does this music get you in? You know, like I'm as someone who doesn't listen to her in this way, like I just wonder, it's like, does this play? Like just play when people go out and then, you know, they're sort of like conflicted and torn. Like these are just random, random thoughts I have about this <laughs> song because it's putting all these things together. Yeah, I, I was uh, from someone who just knows her from her hits. I was I was, again, surprised by the sort of depth of her work here. Do you have any sense of that, Sarah, as as maybe her biggest fan? We're going to hear from Eric. But yeah, <laughs> do you have any sense of that uh, as maybe her, her biggest fan, how people listen to her music? Uh, I was actually fortunate enough to be able to see her in concert a couple of months ago. And most of the show was just a straight up party the entire time. So she started out with her first song having confetti cannons set off on either side of the stage. So she kicked off with the confetti instead of saving it for any, uh, encores. So <laughs> like definitely <laughs> hits a lot more more of just like a a general party vibe. And then she did dip down into something a little bit more introspective. I don't know how on board the rest of the audience was with it, but I certainly was. So Eric, for you, um, where have you been with Carly Rae Jepsen across her career? And what do you think of this latest one? Well, I just wanted to say that I really, 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 really liked this album. Is that the right number (laughs) of release for Carly Rae Jepsen? I'm not sure. Yes, that is. (laughs) Um, But no, she's been the kind of person uh, that I... You know, I've kind of, I don't know, I guess I, I'm i clearly not quite with Sarah on Call Me Maybe. I think the ubiquity of that song kind of wore on me after a while. But I kind of had the sense over the last couple of records as I would just read about her and think, you know, about what she's doing, that, that she seemed like the kind of artist I would actually really enjoy if I gave a chance. So I really did. I loved getting to dig into this record. And I think this might sound like a, a really basic observation, but I think what I really appreciate about it is whether it's you know, the joyful party anthems or the more introspective stuff. It really feels like there's not a moment wasted on this album that she really, you know, believes every single note that she's singing, which I I always appreciate in an artist. So yeah, I really, I I dug it a lot and I would absolutely listen to it again. I I mean, I was struck by a lot of the same things in in Bad Thing Twice that y'all were. I mean, my first thought was like, this is very, you know, like vaguely Augustinian that she's like, you know, I'd like to do, I'd like to do good things, but not yet. It's kind of how yeah. the song felt to me. Um, <laughs> exactly. I really appreciate exactly. kind of that, that honesty there and that, that ability to kind of navigate that subject in that way. So, 
Yeah, and this is to the your point about the production and the and the craft, Eric. It does feel like an album that every moment knows what it's want what it wants to be doing, absolutely, and does yeah. exactly that. There's absolutely. you know it's it's a con- there's a confidence here. Well, I just love the variety you guys brought to this list. I mean, as I was saying, every time I put one on, it moved me to a different place, put me in a different mood, captured a different mood of mine I had. So there's great variety here. Hopefully, listeners have some new music to check out or some stuff maybe they checked out once earlier in the year, didn't come back to it, and now they've got a reason to spend a little more time with it. Let's add a little more variety before we go. What I would love to hear, um, since this is you know, kind of part of a three-episode arc we're doing for TC, and we're not going to be able to cover movies and TV in full in this episode. I still want to touch on it. So I want to get a quick pick from each of you that is either a movie or a TV show that was a 2022 highlight for you. So maybe give me that and then let listeners know the best way that uh, they can keep up with you in 2023. I know some people aren't uh, as busy on Twitter as they (laughs) used to be and may not plan to be that busy on Twitter. So if there's another place you want to point folks to, go ahead and do that. But yeah, give me a pick, uh, a TV show, a movie that you think was among the best from last year. Let's start with you, Sarah. Oh, man. Hands down, my favorite movie of 2022 has got to be Koganada's After Yang, which is just a lovely portrait of a family who is grappling with the unexpected loss of one of their members. It's an adaptation of the short story saying goodbye to Yang, which is also very much worth seeking out. In terms of a standalone movie, it works really well. In terms of an adaptation, I think it does a good job of illuminating the short story as well. Tremendous performances from everybody involved. It's got a great Colin Farrell performance in there, especially. And so I I highly recommend After Yang if you can get the chance to seek it out. And then if you are looking for me, I'm all over the internet um, on Dodgy Boffin, but I have a newsletter that I've been putting out (laughs) weekly at this point. You can find it at dodgyboffin.ghost.io. Nice. And yeah, a little teaser here. I have a few days left to decide whether or not After Yang is going to get the number one spot on my top 10 list. We haven't recorded that for film spotting yet. I've I've made my votes in various film critics groups, but I still have a couple days if I need to switch that because it's got some tough competition for that top mm-hmm. slot. Mm-hmm. All right. How about you, Eric? Uh, what's, uh, what's one of your favorite shows or movies from last year? So I am always so deeply behind when it comes to film and TV, but one TV show that we caught up with in real time this year, and I think there had to have been a reason why, is uh, is HBO's Barry um, from from Bill Hader and Alec Berg, um, mm-hmm. which, again, if people don't know it, is is uh, it's about it, it's ostensibly a comedy, I think, but a, as dark as comedy gets about a hitman who moves to LA and decides to become an actor um, played by Bill Hader. And, you know, I think one of the things I really appreciate about the show and it happens early on, the show really revolves around these questions of whether people can change and especially for Bill Hader's title character, Barry, whether or not he's a good person that's played to laughs in one of the earlier seasons where he asked kind of one of his uh, criminal cohorts, you know, am I, am I a bad person? And the guy's like, Oh yeah, you're evil. You know, he's trying to like reassure him. And that's (laughs) clearly not the answer he wants to hear. But there's a moment that season three, this last season, sets up at the end. And, and if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. And if not, I won't spoil it too much. But where Bill Hader is confronted with someone from his past. And again, that question of whether or not he's a good person. And that moment in which he receives at least something like forgiveness, um, but also is left to kind of reckon with things that he's done. There is this guttural like weeping that emits from him um, in that mm. moment that is just one of the most powerful things I've seen, not just this year, but in a long time. 
And so just um, having the chance to consider those questions alongside a cast that's as talented as, as Bill Hader and Henry Winkler and all the folks on that show is, is just a real pleasure. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know there is a strong Barry fan base out there, so they'll, yeah. they'll be glad to hear you make that pick. Yeah, where can folks follow you this year? All of my social media platforms, I'm at Eric Danielson, which is not maybe as easy as it sounds, but I'm sure you'll see my name somewhere attached to this podcast episode. <laughs> um, I'm still active on Twitter at the moment. I got on Instagram in the last couple of months because I was mm-hmm. afraid Twitter was going to explode. And I'm, 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 I'm bad at Instagram, but if you want to follow me there, you're welcome. <laughs> to, um, there'll probably be like puppy photos and videos of me reading poems <laughs> and stuff like that. So if that somehow sounds like your bag, you're more than welcome to stop by. It's good content. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yes. I am all in. So Instagram it is. All right, thanks. Thanks, Eric. How yeah, about sure. you, Claude? Yeah, um, I'm I'm trying to catch up on movies, um, so I, I don't have a, a huge pick there. For TV, which I don't watch a lot of, but I had the chance over the last um, couple of weeks uh, to watch Abbott Elementary and just, you know, just need some laughs and some joy. Uh, so, you know, I think most folks are probably aware of the show. It's sort of kind of in that sort of spirit of Parks and Rec following a, uh, a group of teachers at a uh, primarily black school in Philly. And uh, it's, it's just uh, earnest. Uh, from the heart, it's funny, it, it's it's clever. Um, there's a lot of jokes that are related to like mid 2000s hip hop, which like speaks to me. I'm like, I can't believe this got cleared. Like, if this gets cleared, like I, I got some jokes that people might like. You know, <laughs> if we're gonna, if we're gonna, if this is what we're doing right now. Um, so, so I've really enjoyed that, uh, and so uh, that would be my pick, Abbott Elementary for TV. All right. Well, another spoiler slash sneak peek, because that is one of the titles we're actually going to discuss more in depth when we get to the best of TV 2022 episode, which I think is the next one that should show up in the Think Christian feed. So nice way to set that up, Claude. Thanks again so much to the three of you. It was really good to be able to talk all together. Take care in this new year, okay? Absolutely. Appreciate it. Hello, I'm John J. Thompson, and that was a little bit of Madison Cunningham's Hospital from the long-awaited follow-up to her 2019 debut, Who Are You Now? A couple of Grammy nominations later and numerous sold-out tours and high-level collaborations, and we find young Cunningham refining her sound, honing her writing, and delivering a project that is profoundly resonant, musically dexterous, imaginative, soulful, contemplative, and even, as the title suggests, revealing. Though her songs are always skillfully written and remain wide open to interpretation, there is a prevailing, fearful, and wonderful working out of her place in the world shot straight through the entire project, and that song, Hospital, is just the tip of the iceberg. The whole album is a brilliant example of how introspective, impressionistic art can be spiritually convicting and open to wide audiences at the same time. Obviously, Brandy Carlisle has had another huge year showing up just about everywhere with her spiritually engaging, confessional, and accessible version of Americana music, but Madison Cunningham might be my artist of the year. And she's just one of over 50 artists you'll hear on the special Best of 2022 playlist I have pulled together with input from other Think Christian contributors and readers. It may be our most eclectic year-end list yet, that is for sure, including representative tracks from new albums by 
Amanda Shires, Wilco, Dawes, Andy Ziff, The 1975, Beyonce, Mountain Goats, Maggie Rogers, Loopy Fiasco, Nas, The Heavy Heavy, Beach Bunny, which you'll hear a bit later in the show, and many more. What were your favorite albums or singles of 2022? Did we cover them? If not, tweet at me at John J. Thompson and let me know. Oh, and don't forget about our archive playlist, which just passed 2,000 songs, believe it or not. It's a wildly eclectic batch of songs, to be sure, but can be quite fun to just load up and shuffle. Until next time, this is JJT hoping that 2023 rocks as successfully as this last year did, and that artists continue to dig for the good, the true, and the beautiful, bravely challenge us to listen and to respond. Life is too short to be soundtracked by bad music. Peace. Everything is easy I've never felt something so deeply Cause with you, with you I breathe again Baby, you're my oxygen Sneaking in a pic of my own there, Beach Bunny's Oxygen from the Chicago Band's 2022 album Emotional Creature. Music highlight for me from last year was seeing Lily Trefilio and company at Lollapalooza. It was a hot summer afternoon, just the right place for Beach Bunny's heavy guitars and fierce drive. As if that wasn't enough music for you, I have one listener suggestion I wanted to share here before we go. It comes from Josh Baylog, who wrote into us at tcpodcast at thinkchristian.net. His pick, John Van Dusen's Marathon Days. Here's what Josh wrote. Littered with equal parts praise and provocation for the modern church and Christians, Van Dusen wraps up his excellent I Am Origami series with the astonishingly good Part 4, Marathon Days. It's a pop rock effort tackling topics like politics, mental health, addiction, marriage, and more with his typical puckish and poetic lyrics. Thank you, Josh. Listeners, you can write in anytime. Email us at tcpodcast at thinkchristian.net. We'd love to share more of your thoughts on pop culture in future episodes throughout the year. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can find us at Think Christian. And if you want to make sure not to miss any of the articles we publish on the website, you can subscribe to receive our emails at thinkchristian.net slash subscribe. Now, for our YouTube viewers, you missed out on a lot of music with this episode. All those songs we discussed, we cannot play those on YouTube. They can be found, however, on John J. Thompson's Spotify playlist for this episode. We have the music mentioned here, his picks, listener picks, and then additional picks from the podcast team, the folks who weren't able to join us on this show, but they weighed in with some of their favorite music, too. So a ton of music. Just search for the Think Christian playlist on Spotify. While you're there, as we said, please go ahead and give us a star rating. We would really appreciate it. Apple Podcast folks, you know, you can give us a review too. We'll be happy to take those. The Think Christian Podcast is a listener-supported production of Reframe Ministries, a family of programs designed to help you see your whole life reframed by God's gospel story. Visit reframeministries.org for more information. Our audio engineer and post-production supervisor is John Reeder, and Reframe's co-director overseeing content strategy is Robin Basselin. I'm Josh Larson. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in about a week to celebrate the best TV of 2022 as we continue to connect our pop culture fandom with our faith.